Please remain standing for the reading of God's Word this morning. This morning's passage will be Psalm 42. says this to the choir master, Maskil of the sons of Korah. As a deer pants for the flowing streams, so, my, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come? And appear before God. My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember, they pour out my soul, how I would go with a throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts, songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down? my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep, the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. Prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, would you guide us this morning by your word and spirit so that in your light, we may see light. That in your truth we may find wisdom. And that in your will we discover your peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Darkness, confusion, depression, desperation. Psalm 42 is is a psalm of all these things. It is a psalm of, of lament. It is the cry of a person who is experiencing what the famous preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones called spiritual depression. That's, that's what's going on here in Psalm 42. The psalmist is, is spiritually depressed. His soul is cast down down he says chaos and confusion rages in his heart 
dark cloud of depression hovers over his soul. It's what some spiritual writers throughout church history have called the the dark night of the soul. Which I think captures it well. Spiritual depression, dark night of the soul, confusion, turmoil. Some of you sitting here have experienced this. Some of you probably now are feeling this way. You hear the words of the psalmist and you say, that's exactly how I'm feeling. Which is why Psalm 42 and others like it are a part of the Holy Scriptures. Because you see, Psalm 42 and others like it teach us how to respond in these seasons of life. Psalm 42 gives us the language to express ourselves to God when we are feeling this way, when our soul feels cast down within us, when we feel like God has forgotten us, when nothing makes sense, when God feels distant. And that's what we're going to learn this morning. We're going to learn by example. We're going to look at the psalmist in a time of great desperation and see how he responds. We're going to observe this morning this this person in such great misery that he feels as if God has rejected him and forgotten him. How does he respond? How does he speak to God in this season? What what does he do? That's what we're going to see this morning. And, And by example, we will learn from him how to handle ourselves in these seasons of life, in seasons of darkness and confusion and desperation. The, the structure this morning is going to be a little bit different than the last two weeks. We're, we're not going to go kind of linear, linear, linearly, linearly uh, verse by verse. Instead, we're going, to, we're going to jump around a little bit. So, so there's going to be kind of two main chunks to the sermon. First, we're going to, we're going to look at the psalmist. What is his situation What is he feeling? What is going on with him? And then secondly, we're going to see how he responds to that. So we're going to see what what his situation is, and then how does he respond? And by looking at that, we will learn how to respond ourselves in seasons when we feel overwhelmed by agony. So what is his situation? Well, we don't exactly know his situation, and I think that's on purpose, because anytime you give someone a very specific situation, then it immediately feels irrelevant to anyone who's not in that exact specific situation. So sometimes the Psalms are, are general on purpose. So, so we don't know exactly what has brought him to this state. Some people guess that maybe he's in exile um, or something like that. We, we don't know. What we do know is that he's in distress. He's in distress. So, so there's kind of two types of distress we see. First, he's experiencing some type of external oppression. Some type of outward force is oppressing him. In other words, he's not, if this is not just an emotional issue. This is not just spiritual. Something has happened to him. Something physical Something, some type of suffering that other people can see. Look, look at verse 3. He says this. 
While they say to me, his enemies, all day long, where is your God? So, so people are seeing something in his life and mocking him because of what's happened to him. They're looking at this life of this man who claimed to be godly and saying, where is your God? Look at you. Your life is a wreck. In verse 10, he says again, as with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. They're, they're teasing him. They're making fun of him. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Your God is so good. Why is this your situation? So, so it's something others can see. Wh- whatever has happened to him, it's obvious to his enemies. In fact, to the people around him that are looking at him, it looks as if God has abandoned him. As if his God is impotent and powerless to save him. So they mock him. And they mock God. If, if your God is so powerful, why do you have cancer? Couldn't God heal you? If, you're, if your God is so good, why is your business failing? What a joke. Isn't your God all powerful? If, if your God is so wonderful, why have your kids walked away from the faith? What a joke. If your God is so good, why are you broke? Why are you such a failure? People are mocking him. He says it's as painful as a deadly wound within his bones. Because it strikes at the core of his being. Maybe some of you have been mocked like this before. right? And the reason it's so painful is because these questions from the outside eventually becomes questions that he starts to ask himself. Yeah, where is God? Why is this happening to me? Why, why, why has God let this happen? You see, because these, these external problems are not the only problem he's having. His, his external situation, whatever this is, has now caused him to be internally distressed and depressed. In fact, he, he's an emotional wreck. He, he's a spiritual wreck. He's, he's spiritually devastated. He's emotionally devastated. His, his words, he says, his soul is, is in turmoil within him. He's broken hearted. He describes this with, with many different words, but, but one of the, the ways he says is he's, he's thirsting for God. He's starving for God, but, but he's not being satisfied. It, it seems as if God is evading him. He says in, in verse 1 through 3, he says, as a, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O oh God. He's like a deer in the desert, can't find water. He's, he's thirsty, he's starving. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? He's not being satisfied. He's thirsting, but he's not being satisfied. My tears have been my food day and night. All he wants is, is God, and yet he's he's spiritually starving. God is, is, is distant. 
or at least it feels like it. He, again, pictures this, this deer searching for water in the desert. His soul is, is dying, spiritual thirst. He needs to feel God. He wants to feel God. He wants to be in God's presence. But for whatever reason, God seems silent. Spiritual desperation and depression. He's, he's in a deep, deep state of darkness. And, and, and look, look at the words he's using. Again, look at this picture that he's painting for us. He's, he's in so much distress and so much misery that he says he's lost his appetite. My tears have been my food day and night. In other words, he's, he's not eating. He's just crying and wailing all day and night. Have you ever cried so much that you can just taste the tears in your mouth? That's what he's describing. The taste, that salty taste of his tears is constantly in his mouth because he's continuously wailing in his distress. Some of you here know that type of pain. And this is what he's feeling. He, he, he feels like he can't catch a break. He feels like he's sp- He's drowning spiritually. Every time he tries to come up for air, another wave hits him. His, his feet can't find any solid ground. The waves just keep crashing over his head. He says in verse 7, Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. It's, it's this picture like when you're swimming in the ocean and, and right as you come up for breath, another wave hits you. And so you go back under. And then as soon as you come up again, another wave hits you. He can't catch his, his breath. Wave after wave has crashed over him. This is how he feels. He says, Lord, your, your waves are, are drowning me. I, I can't breathe. I, I feel like I'm, I'm drowning. I, I can't catch my breath. Why, why is this happening? He's in the midst of the storm of emotional and spiritual pain, depression, grief. He's confused. He's hurting. And all he wants is God. But, but that's kind of the worst part. Because, because what he's saying is he, he, he knows God could fix this. But he isn't. God could solve all of his problems. But that's the most painful part. He feels as if God's left him. He feels as if God has forgotten him. And again, I, I mean, this is poetic language. He, he knows that God's had him, but, that, but that's how he feels. Verse 9 and 10, I, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why, why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? 
It's, it's one thing to have this external oppression, and it's another thing to feel emotionally distressed, but it's another to feel as if God has just forgotten him and rejected him. Why, God? Why is this happening to me? You are my rock. Don't you care what I'm going through? Have you forgotten? Don't, don't you see your enemies taunting me? Don't, don't you hear them mocking you? Are, are you going to do anything? Why, why are you letting this happen to me? The psalmist is depressed. He's in this dark season. He's confused. He feels as if God has forgotten him and left him. Have you ever felt like this? Have you ever felt like God has just abandoned you? Have you ever felt like you just can't catch a break? You just can't catch your breath like you're drowning in life? Or have you ever felt so spiritually dry that it just feels like you're dying of thirst and all, all you want is for God to satisfy that thirst, but he just evades you? It's, it's disorienting. It's confusing. It's, it's, he describes it exactly right. Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? God, why? Why have you forgotten me? If you've never felt this, if you, if you don't know what this feels like, you probably will one day. So, so whether you're in this season now, and you're hearing this and saying, that's exactly how I feel, or you will walk through it in the future, you need to know what to do. You need to know how to respond. We need to know how to respond in this dark night of the soul during times of spiritual depression. So let's, let's see what the psalmist does. That, that's his situation. But let's see how the psalmist responds in the midst of this. And, and by extension, how we should respond. So we're going to see how the psalmist responds. And, and what he does... I'm just going to, I'm going to call it fighting for hope. He fights for hope in the midst of this. He fights for hope in the midst of this confusion and darkness. And he, and he essentially does four things in the midst of this fight for hope. So we're going to see these four things. The first thing is he honestly acknowledges his pain to God. He, he honestly acknowledges his pain to God. Think about it. So this psalm is part of the scriptures. It's God-breathed. God has placed it here for us. It is good and it is right. So he's not wrong for struggling like this. And in fact, there are other psalms like this. There are other psalms that are even darker and heavier and more depressing than this. Just read Psalm 88 sometime. These these psalms of, of lament and confusion and even complaint are meant to give us the words to speak to God in times like this. That's the beauty of the book of Psalms. The, the emotional range of the psalms covers every area of life. And, and we need that. 
Because, because Christianity is not just a faith for, for happy people. It's, it's for depressed people. It's for broken people. And so we need to know how to lament as Christians. We, we need to know how to lament as individuals and as a church. We, we need to know how to cry out to God in times of darkness and confusion. When, when it seems like our soul is at turmoil within us. It's not wrong to go through these seasons. It's not wrong to feel this way. It's a part of our journey as Christians. Christian life is, is not all candy canes and unicorns and yippee. But, but this, is, this is crucial for us to understand because sometimes we pretend like it is. And if we pretend, that then when we hit a season like this, We, we try to pretend like it's not real. We, we try to ignore our pain. We try to just act like it's not there. But that's not what the writers of Scripture do. They don't ignore it. They don't keep it bottled up. They don't just try to put on a brave face. They don't try to act happy. They don't try to act fine when they're not. That, that's not what the psalmist does. He, he acknowledges his pain to God. He tells God exactly how it feels. He's completely honest before God, even to the point of being dramatic. In, in some of the Psalms, not this one as much, but some of the Psalms even get to the point where it like makes you uncomfortable. Like, is it really okay to pray that way? It's the scriptures. God is teaching us how to respond. God, I'm, I'm drowning over here. My soul is in turmoil. I'm cast down. I'm depressed. I feel like you've forgotten me. What, what, what are you doing? What, 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 is, what is going on, God? I'm confused. Everybody's mocking me. Don't you see me? Why? Why? Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go about mourning? Because of the oppression of my enemy. You see how he's praying? You see how... He is completely honest with God. He doesn't, he doesn't hold back. And he's not kind of like re- using religious language. Well, I'm confused, but God, I know everything's okay. I know it's all going to be okay. He's, he just, I, I feel like you've forgotten me. I don't understand. Verse 4, he says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul. That's, that's the perfect word to describe it. The psalmist is pouring out his soul for God. He's not going to God in tra- prayer trying to be a good little boy or a good little girl. He just lets it out. Brothers and sisters, this, this is how we must pray in these seasons. We must pour out our souls to God. We don't need to hold anything back. We don't have to bottle it up. God can handle our pain. God can handle our confusion. God can handle our darkness. That's why he's put these in here. Don't don't act as if you have to clean yourself up to 
come to God. You have to compose yourself before you come to God in prayer. The psalmist doesn't. The psalmist lays it all out on the table. Look, God, this is just how I'm feeling. He's not accusing God of anything. He's just saying, this is just how I feel. And this is part of the process of fighting for hope. Honesty. Honestly acknowledging his pain before God. So this morning, I want to encourage you in this. I want to give you the freedom to pray like this. Take this prayer language and keep it in your back pocket if you don't need it now. You will one day. This is biblical language. Again, the psalmist is teaching us how to pray. Pour your soul out to God. Don't don't hold anything back. Pour out your pain, your confusion, your frustration to God. Don't be afraid to, to vent in faith before God. Don't be afraid to pray like a psalmist. Lord, you, you are my God, you're my rock, but I'm confused. What is, what, what is going on? I'm in distress, I'm, I'm miserable, and all I want is to be in your presence, but you feel so far. Why? I'm drowning. This is the first step fighting for hope. Honestly, acknowledge your pain to God. The, the second step of fighting for hope, the psalmist remembers better times. He remembers about better times. He looks back. He remembers when things were better. He remembers when he felt God. He remembers when he was in God's presence. He says in verse 4, Remembering times of worship. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude of keeping festival. He says, now, now looking back, right, this doesn't really solve his issue. It doesn't solve anything. But, but it gives him a little bit of hope. I remember when it wasn't like this. Your, your experiences of worship but the people of God can, can sustain you in dark times. I know it wasn't always like this. God, I used to be in your presence. And, and so he's remembering how powerful God's presence used to be. And it, it helps to sustain him a little bit. It doesn't solve his issue. He's not trying to just cover over his distress, but he's just thinking back when things were better. So, so as you fight for hope in a season like this, honestly acknowledge your pain to God. Remember past experiences. And thirdly, the psalmist sings. He sings. First of all, the, the psalm itself is a song. So the point is to sing it, to pray it. But, but that's why the psalms were written, to sing them in all seasons of life. And so... All these, these, these tools in our, our spiritual toolbox teach us to sing to God in all seasons of life. And there's, there's something about seasons like this. You could probably testify to this if you've gone through this. There's something about seasons of spiritual depression and darkness that music is just specifically suited for. God, God has created us this way. That's why he gave us a book of songs. The psalmist says in verse 8, 
By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. His song is his prayer, and his prayer is his song. And maybe it's even this song that he's talking about, this psalm right here. But the thing is, living now, in the 21st century, we, we have access to so many good songs. A lot of bad ones too, by the way. So let me qualify that. Sing good songs. This is why, as, as, as a team of, of, and a congregation of people who sing together, we need to sing songs of celebration, but we also need to know how to sing songs like this, of lament. We need to sing songs together that address the full range of emotions. Especially in seasons of spiritual depression, you need to hear and sing songs about God's faithfulness. Songs help us express our emotion to God. And just just as a practical matter i made a little playlist on youtube of some really good songs that have been helpful for me i posted it on the facebook so if you're if you're on the del cerro facebook just go you can go find it um or just send me an email i can email it to you if that's easier Uh, but but singing theologically rich music in seasons of darkness just is a way to cement the truth of god's word in our head and that's what i think he's saying here he's saying at night as he's going to bed, he's, he can hear the songs playing in his mind. And they're a prayer to the God of his life. I know this from personal experience. In, in some of the darkest seasons of my life, it's been songs that have gotten me through. Theologically rich, biblically true songs that have reminded me of God's faithfulness when I've been tempted to forget it. They gave me the words to pray when I, when I didn't have them. It's a tool that, rem, that remind us of the glorious truths of Scripture. So sing. Sing in seasons of darkness. Sing through the storm. Join the psalmist. Sing in the midst of confusion. Fight for hope by singing. And fourthly, psalmist preaches to himself preaches to himself so in these seasons we've got to preach to ourselves. He, he's he's talking to himself he's talking to his own soul Have you ever noticed that this, the, this happens a lot in the psalms but it's especially clear here he, he's preaching to himself talking to himself about god's past faithfulness and about god's future salvation He's talking to himself about God's goodness, God's goodness, both in the past and in the future. He's telling his soul, "Look, soul, remember God's faithfulness. Remember what He's promised you, and hold on to that." He's he's preaching this this mini sermon to himself. He repeats it twice, verse five and verse eleven. Why are you cast down? Look, he's questioning himself. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? 
hope in God. For, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my rock. You see how he's, he's repeating this? He's, he's talking to himself. Why? Why are you so cast down? Hope in God. He's commanding himself. He's preaching. He's preaching a sermon. Hope in God because you will again praise him. He is your salvation and your God. He's, he's talking to himself. Self, why are you so upset about all this? Why are you so depressed about all this? Now, now look, he's not covering it up. He knows that he's depressed. But he's questioning himself. Why? Why are you in turmoil? Put your hope in God. I, I command you, soul. Because you will again praise him. He will deliver you. He has been our salvation in the past and he will be in the future. He is my God. So hope in him. Don't you lose hope in him, soul. He's interrogating himself. He's questioning his his spiritual depression. He's reminding himself of God's goodness. Again, he's not ignoring what he's feeling, but he's questioning it. It's not a quick fix. He's not not just trying to put a band-aid on or put on a brave face. But he's preaching to himself. The the famous preacher, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he he wrote a book actually on this psalm. The book is called Spiritual Depression, which is a great book. I would highly recommend it if you're in this season, or even if you're not. And and he he writes about this idea of preaching to yourself. Listen, Listen to what he says. This is so crucial. He says, Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they are talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now this man, speaking of the psalmist here in 42, was this. Instead of allowing himself, instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why are you cast down, O my soul? He asks. His soul had been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, Self, listen for a moment. I will speak to you. The main art, he says, in the matter of spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself. You have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself. You must say to your soul, why are you so cast down? What business have you to be disquieted? You must turn on yourself, upbraid yourself, condemn yourself, exhort yourself, and say to yourself, hope in God, instead of muttering in this depressed, unhappy way. And then you must go on to remind yourself of God, who God is and what God is and, and what he has done and what God has pledged himself to do. Then having done that, end on this note, defy yourself and defy other people and defy the devil and the whole world and say with this man, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. That's, that's, that's exactly right. Preach to yourself when you're tempted to forget God's goodness. Preach God's goodness to your worries, to your fears, to your pain, to your confusion. Speak the truths of Scripture to your own heart. And look at verse 8. He acknowledges to himself how faithful God is. 
It says, by day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. God's covenantal love. The psalmist reminds himself here that God is in control and that he is good. He's, he's fighting for this hope. His situation is terrible. He's depressed. He's confused. But he's fighting it. He's fighting for hope by preaching to himself. By, by preaching to his heart the goodness God. He, he reminds himself that God has been faithful in the past and he will be faithful in the future. He will yet again praise God because he trusts God. This is, this is how to fight for hope. This is the biblical pattern set forth here in Psalm 42. Preach to your own heart the faithfulness of God. Don't listen to yourself. Talk to yourself. You've, you've got to remind yourself of what you know to be true about God. Now, now, as you do this, as you preach to your own soul, as you remind yourself of God's faithfulness, again, there's, there's, there's two ways to do this. There's, you remember God's faithfulness in the past, and you look forward to God's faithfulness in the future. You look back and you look forward. That's what the psalmist does. He, he looks back to times of God's faithfulness, and he looks forward again in faith. I shall praise him again. My rock and my salvation. Brothers and sisters, if the psalmist had reason to trust in God in the midst of his grief, in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his confusion, how much more do we have? We have the great privilege of looking to Christ. We don't just preach to ourselves, but we preach the gospel to ourselves. We, we can look to the cross and understand that, that God loved us so much that He sent His own Son to die a slave's death, bearing our sins in His body on the tree. He suffered and bled and experienced this soul anguish in our place willingly. Let that sink in for a moment. God entered into human flesh and experienced what this psalmist is talking about. We pray to a God who knows, who understands, who is not distant, but became flesh to walk among us. If you are trusting in Christ, your sins have been wiped out by Him, and you have his righteousness. Do you think that the God who did that for us, who chose us before the foundation of the world as his precious possession will now desert us in our time of need? No. Do you think that this God will abandon us? Ever. So Christian, listen to me. It will not happen. If you are in Christ, he chose you. He's not going to unchoose you. We have the Spirit as a guarantee, Paul says in 2 Corinthians. And so you've got to remind yourself of these truths. doesn't mean you're always going to feel them, but remind yourself. Talk to yourself. You see, Christ understands our grief and our sorrow. 
Scripture says he was a man of sorrows and of grief. In fact, Christ himself experienced this exact soul turmoil. In, in John, he says this, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. For this purpose I have come to this hour. Jesus himself experienced this, this soul confusion, this soul pain. But for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For us, he will not desert us so we can lean on him. We can come to him in faith. We can come to him in our confusion, in our pain, in our distress. He understands. Our faith is not in a distant God, but in the living God. In Jesus Christ, the suffering Savior. He is faithful. We can trust Him in the midst of darkness. So, so we preach to ourselves. We look back to these things. But, but we also look forward. This is what Paul's doing in 2 Corinthians 4 that we read earlier. He says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away. Some of you here are feeling that today. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. And then he says this. For this light momentary affliction. Now you know the Apostle Paul's life. Shipwrecked three times. Beaten multiple times. Tried, they killed him. Eventually they killed him. He was rejected. He was betrayed. And that life... He says, it's a light momentary affliction. And what is it doing? It's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. In other words, our suffering is not meaningless. Our pain is not pointless. It's doing something. It's working for us. It's working for us. It's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. This this verse alone shines bright enough to get us through the darkest times. But for those who are in Christ, God is working all things together for good somehow, some way, even when we can't see it. He is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. Beyond all comparison. He's he's making all things new. So this pain, this this confusion, this darkness, no matter how bad it is, it's temporary. It's temporary. And in light of eternity, Paul says, it's light and momentary. One day it will cease. Forever. Forever. So we look forward to this together. In the good times, but especially in the dark times. Keep your eyes focused on Christ. No matter what darkness you are walking in, in this season of life, or will walk in in the future, our future is certain. Our future is not a question. We know what God has promised, and we know what God is doing. He tells us in Revelation 21. 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Christian in the dark night, savor these truths. Preach them to yourself. Preach the truth of God's word to yourself to yourself. Preach it to your own soul and fight for hope. This is how we must respond when spiritual depression comes. And it will. When dark times come upon you, fight for hope by honestly acknowledging your pain to God, by remembering better times, by singing, and by preaching to yourself. May God be at all times your hope, your rock, and your salvation. Let us pray.